Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Any sports show or hosts can make predictions, but these guys keep a record of theirs. Gentlemen, we are keeping score. Believing in their prognosticating abilities so much. Listen now as Phil, Judd, and Dave write that down. Write that down. Write that down. I don't have a pencil. Well, remember that then. Write this down. Write it down. You like writing things down. All right, all right, all right. We are the only show that holds ourselves accountable with batting averages, with our predictions. And so we're going to go through an accountability session here, and then we're going to make some predictions. We have listener predictions, and if you guys ever have any predictions you want to go on the record, just email us anytime during the week with the subject line, write that down, Mackie and Judd at 1500ESPN.com. Seeing a lot of repeat predictors. We could, we could use a little freshening up of the write that down prediction pool. So Mackie and Judd at 1500ESPN.com. Mm-hmm. Let's uh what do we got? Let's see here. What do we got? We'll start with me. I said the Gophers would start a freshman at quarterback next year, and that was I think when they had the JUCO kid. So yeah. all right. A little double for that one. Because they a freshman sure. would have had to beat out the JUCO sure. kid. Um Dave had twins winning seventy five percent of their games against the Royals, White Sox, and Tigers. I think mathematically that's impossible now because they're like five hundred against They've got a bunch against Detroit Man, left. They suck. Yeah, and it's a bunch against Detroit left, and I think that's it now. So if they ran the table against Detroit, I still don't think it's mathematically really? possible well, for them to, to win. Three even if it is, and even if they do it, give me a loss. I don't. Wow, <laughs> that, that's a level of disgust I appreciate. There were a lot of twins-related positive predictions from the three of us here at the beginning oh, of the year. We drank the Kool Aid in a big way. Yeah. Although Dave did say that Stefan Diggs would sign a contract extension before training camp. I'm going three-bagger on that because there was no—when he made that prediction, it looked like there was really no chance of him signing an extension at the time. I'm going to give Dave a three-bagger. You want triple for that? It's for sure a double. You want triple for that? There was no no steam there. Yeah, okay. Okay. It's a triple for Dave. Thanks, Uh, Judd. Sure. I just wanted to—you know, I just—it's fine. Very benevolent. It's a triple. It's very good. Judd, you said Les Miles—this is two years ago. You said Les Miles would get another head coaching job with someone— for the 2018 season. I love when you find the the ones from like when the show started. <laughs> this is when Les Miles flew a private jet into the Twin Cities. And yes. This is like they chose P.J. Fleck over Les Miles. I was excited about that. Les Miles yeah. came, they all, came they, here. They turned down Les Miles to hire P.J. Fleck. Yes, they did. Bold, bold choice. But the fact that he hasn't gotten another job in the last couple of years and he couldn't build an offense and find a quarterback. He's TV guy now, right? Is he? ESPN I think or he's something? doing ESPN studio if I'm not mistaken. Right. 
you did say, however, that Randy Moss would go over 15 minutes on his Hall of Fame speech. Didn't make it by a lot, but I made it. It's a single. It's a single. And you said the Twins would trade Fernando Rodney before the season's over. Yes. So right. you get a couple a couple singles there. Uh, listener predictions. The dude said Carmelo Anthony would sign with the Lakers. I don't think he's signed anywhere officially yet, or is he officially with the Rockets? Uh, but either way, like... There was a report a couple days ago that the Rockets deal was done, but I did not see a okay. follow-up report to that. But yeah, he's going to Houston. Yeah, he's not, he's he's not, not going, going to Lakers. Lakers. Yeah. So the uh, updated batting averages here... Uh, I am hitting 236, slugging just under 400. Judd is hitting 284, slugging 531. Dave is hitting 393, slugging 674. And um, listeners are batting 200 with a 375 slugging percentage. Guests at 333 and 462. So let's uh, let's dive into some predictions. Write it down. You like writing things down. Write this down. All right, Judd Zolgad. All right, prediction number one, and write that down for me this week, is that the Vikings are going to attempt to take care of their problem at guard by trading for one within the next two weeks. So I disagree with Dukes. I don't think they're going to allow this thing to play out for an elongated period of time. Within two weeks? Vikings, so so by, by August 24th? Yeah, the Vikings will trade. So the Vikings will trade for a guard within the next two weeks. So by the time we do this segment in two weeks, that they will have traded for a guard to fill out yeah, see, because Doogie was saying, yeah, you know, Rick likes to hang out of those picks. I think in moments of crisis, when you have a chance to win the Super Bowl, he's showing you he will not hold on to those picks. He traded a first-round pick for Sam Bradford. And you want the guy to join the team and learn and learn your scheme and all of that, so I think you would do it sooner rather than later. Yeah. Write it down. You like writing things down. Write this down. Over to Dave. What would that be for Judd if that one comes? Single? Double? Triple? I think it's a single to be honest. I mean, it's it definitely might be not a, a triple. Yeah. Okay. It might be single or a double, but I'm not giving you names or I'm, I'm just saying, I, I think they're going to fill that spot with a trade. So I would happily just take a single. Okay. Well, call it a single. Then I'm swinging for extra bases. Cause you will nail that, but they won't do it. You won't need the second week between this time next week. All right. From now until this time, 1106 next week, yep. a new offensive lineman will be with the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, so, so it could be trade or free agent. Trade or free agent. No okay. matter what, it'll be taken care of within one week from right now. And you're not specifying position. Is that correct? You're just saying alignment? I'm just saying somebody to fill an interior spot. I hope that it's like some crappy, you know, I hope Dave wins on a technicality here. I hope it's like, oh, they've well, they waved such and such and picked up this guy who won't make the team. But it's still a point for Dave if it happens. Write this down. Write it down. You like writing things down. All right. Uh, write this down. Despite the offensive line turmoil right now, Kirk Cousins will not be sacked tomorrow night. So you might only play a series or two, but Kirk Cousins, and this is the upset of the season for from Judd's perspective, this should be a home run if Judd was scoring. Kirk Cousins, he will not die. He will not tear his ACL. He will not break his collarbone. He will not be sacked on Saturday, despite playing behind mostly a backup offensive line. And a third strength center. I hope you're right. Write it down. You like writing things down. I hope you're right. For their sake. Write that down. I, I, I don't have a pencil. Well, remember that then. I love cryptic Judd. A lot of questions for Rick and Mike on Monday if you're wrong. Cryptic Judd. All right. I think we're back on you now. My second write that down for this Friday. The Twins will trade Max Kepler this offseason. Mm. We, we talked about this uh, previously on today's program. And I mentioned that who is he, and I can't quite decide. And, and but I think there's upside there. 
But you can trade from those positions. The corner outfielders are nice to have, but there's more coming, and they can certainly be replaced. And I think I think Max has value, and I think uh, in light of the season the Twins are coming off of that they are going to make some moves, Max Kepler traded this offseason. Okay. Write this down. Write it down. You like writing things down. I have a, have a thought about the NFL season. There will be one and only one NFL team based in Los Angeles to make the playoffs it will not be the Rams. Wow. It will be the Los Angeles Chargers. They are a playoff team. The Rams are not. I kind of like that prediction. I do. Too. It's genius. Yeah, it's not really genius, but it's a good one. It's genius. Well, the Chargers are kind of seen as this like stepchild in the in the AFC, right? But there's not nice, that many good AFC teams. They got a nice team, too. I mean, right now, how many AFC teams would you say? Like, I'm really sure that team's going to make the playoffs. Because you could say that about... Eight different NFC teams. Well, I got the Patriots, and then I got the Patriots again. Steelers, and then I might have the Steelers. Pretty sure the Steelers are going to be not in. that many. And I and the, the Chiefs, if it weren't for a rookie quarterback, the Chiefs get in. Andy Reid gets in the playoffs, but uh, I kind of like that one. All right. Final prediction here. Write this down. Actually, it's not final prediction. This is round two. Yeah. Write this down. Max Kepler, your, your radar is honed, but it's a little <laughs> bit. It needs to be recalibrated a little bit, okay? Yeah. The Twins will make a trade this offseason involving one of their regulars, yeah. but it will be Miguel Sano who gets traded. Well, I'm not. Oh, my goodness. Miguel Sano will be traded by the Twins sometime this offseason. So the the idea here would be. Back? Well, the idea would be that he continues to perform well yep. in his call up here. Yep. He hits a bunch more home runs from now until the end of the year. Yep. And then in the offseason, they. I don't know, bait some team into thinking that, okay, like, yeah, this is a generational mm-hmm. guy that you can hit your wagon to. And he's he's, gonna, he's got three years of team control left or he's something. He's in great shape. He is. Trust us. He's in great shape. He's down to, he's down to like 281. Trust two, us. 279. Sounds lower. He's down to 279. We've seen him. <laughs> Write it down. You like writing things down. Write that down. I don't have a pencil. Well, remember that then. Back to Judd. This was discussed on the, um, I believe, the Thursday show, and I've been dancing around this, and I don't think, and I, I look back last night, I can't find that I've made this prediction before, so I'm going to I'm going to just dive headfirst in this time. Bruce Boudreaux won't be the wild coach after this season. Wow. So at the beginning of the 2019 season, he will have been replaced. So, because I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. Uh, he's entering. He's going to be entering year three of a, a four-year contract. So you're not going to fire him now. And this is, by the way, not his fault. Uh, but I think that uh, Paul Fenton, the new Wild GM, is going to going to want to get his own guy in here. Hmm. And so I think that Boods, unfortunately, because I actually like him a lot, I think Boods is entering his last season as the Wild coach. I'm trying to find if you have made that prediction before. You have been known to forget about your previous. Oh, I predictions. most definitely have, and that's why I said I couldn't find it last night. And so I'm just going to go with it. Uh, you do have one here. I don't know when we pulled the trigger on this. You said Char- Charlie Coyle will be traded this offseason. I still have a, uh, They could still I swing still have some time. There. Training camp starts in mid-September. Okay. So I think once that, I think once they hit the ice for the start of training camp, that's done. Looks like you're clean. All right. Looks like you have not made that Bruce Boudreaux prediction. And I don't before. like that. My prediction, I don't like. But I feel it's going to happen. Oh, you have oh you have Dumba leading the NHL uh, defenseman crew in, in scoring next year, but you don't have a Boudreaux prediction. All right, okay. Back over to uh, that's my last one. Write that down. I, I don't have a pencil. Well, remember that then. I could not tell you how excited I am that this time of year is finally here. Packer vent line season. Wow. Since we broke it out today, I have a Packer vent line prediction for the first regular season loss for the Green Bay Packers. Okay, first regular season game they lose. The first caller into Packer Ventline, the first of the show, I will grab the very first one, 
the first person he calls out. So he might say the defense stunk or the offense stunk, but the first person, whether that be a player, coach, management, whatever, will be Mike McCarthy. Okay. That's the first name he will call out and rip because the Packers lost a football game <laughs> in the regular season. I like it. I like it. Make, Write this down. Makes perfect sense. I don't have a pencil. Well, remember that, Dan. And uh, final prediction here. Tiger Woods shoots a 66 or better today, boys. Tiger Woods will fire a 66 or better round two now. of the... <laughs> wow. <laughs> Max is not okay. amused at all. Max did not think that was funny. He's going to have to shoot a 66 if he wants to catch Gary Woodland, apparently. <laughs> Gary Woodland is just running away with the damn tournament See, these right scores now. are too low right now. He's minus this is 10 no fun. This isn't fun. Gary Woodland? This is a weekly tour stop. These scores are. This is not a major. Gar- 10 under, 9 under, 7 under. Old Gary needs this to is, pump the brakes This here. isn't fun to watch. I want to watch these tournaments be difficult. The major should be difficult. You want Write it down. You like writing things down. And three listener predictions for the week here. You can email your listener predictions in at Mackie and Jed at 1500ESPN.com. Mike S. says Anderson Dejo will be the first Vikings player ejected under the new helmet-slash-targeting rule, which seems like a ground ground ball single up the middle. Yes. Right? Uh, Dale says P.J. Fleck will have a player drafted in rounds one, two, or three before he bolts for another school or another job. So negative. So whenever that may happen. And Tom F. says Zach Parisi will have an Eric Stahl-like bounce back and score 30-plus goals this season. Parisi, 30-plus goals. Judd is... Wow. Judd is not in agreement with that. Means that means he's going to stay healthy down. all season? Wow. Or not. Maybe he misses some and he's on fire. It still scores 30-plus. Um, that's a home run if that's accurate, by the way. Chris Singleton will join us to talk some baseball. We can talk some twins with him. Matthew Collar previewing tomorrow's first preseason game against the Denver Broncos. And also game show Friday between now and 1 o'clock. Mackie and Judd, TCL Broadcast Studios. Bill. Doing well, guys. What's up? Good. Hey, just a quick question on our, on our defense. You know, we hear a lot of talk about uh, Khalil Mack and uh, our two first-rounders. What do you guys think about that? Go, Mack, go. Also, when I heard that the first time, I thought he said trade two first-rounders for Khalil Mack. But he was just asking about Khalil Mack and the two first-rounders, right? Yeah, but I'm... Okay, so he's asking breaking it down. So yeah, so what he he wants uh, uh, the sports machine guy to break it down for him. Bill Michaels. Bill Which Michaels Bill? got married. I like Bill Michaels. He's Bill a, is a good guy. Bill is what though? Bill's the sports what? A- not animal. Yeah, machine? I'm trying to think of what he was called. I don't know. I said machine, but I think that's wrong. I don't know. We'll find it. We'll find it. Uh, can you help me <laughs> decipher real quick here this new the, the NCAA college basketball policies? I have not taken the time to go all the way in. I just know that. Yeah, USA basketball was caught off guard because they're going to be in charge of determining like who the elite players are. Yeah, but so they... NCAA went and said, "Okay, oh my god, we're getting criticized for all these things. Like, oh, we need to fix some things," and they fixed everything, but they didn't communicate with everybody. Yeah, so USA basketball now is going to bear responsibility for selecting what are called elite senior high school pro- prospects, who will then be allowed to sign with agents. So it's just a nebulous, but, subjective. But here's the problem. USA Basketball went to the NCAA previously and said, we don't want to do that. We we shouldn't be doing that. We don't have it's the infrastructure bus- to do it's that. It's not yeah. our business. It's the NBA. Yeah. But but they re- so they released all, all of these new rules or ideas that, that they had this week, and they evidently failed to inform the NBA or USA Basketball 
And so now people are like, yeah, it doesn't matter. That's hilarious. This is the NCAA. Why are they allowed to run things? Like, that's my question. Why are they? They prove time and time again they're incompetent, they're corrupt, and they're idiots. Why are they allowed to run things? Now, agents here, okay, so effective immediately, the NCAA will allow college players to be represented by MBPA certified agents. The agents must become NCAA certified no later than August 1st, 2020. Beginning after any season, you can get an agent as long as they request an evaluation from the MBA Undergraduate Advisory Committee. Agents will be permitted to pay for meals and transportation for players and their families during the agent selection process and for meetings with pro teams, uh, teams if changes are made to existing agent acts and state laws, et cetera, et cetera. I've always found, too, like the, the thing that bothers me most about the NCAA, among a million things, is they've got this rule book that's the size of two phone books, right? At least. But they don't have their own governing body or or their own essentially a police force right they so at least in the NFL and in in major pro sports leagues okay we have a steroid policy and a testing policy so that we can make sure that you're not violating it right yep in the NCAA they rely mostly on what journalists to break stories and then well, maybe they do their own investigation but oftentimes they don't have enough people and enough resources to really uh Clamp down on the rule book as thick as it is. And then the biggest bunch of BS about this entire thing is is the rules passed this week are all nothing more than, than a reaction to the FBI investigation, which, yeah. by the way, once again was doing the NCAA's job. And so, so basically what they did was they didn't care about what the NBA or USA Basketball thought one bit. They, they want to now go back to the FBI and say, look, we took care of this. Yeah. But they took care of nothing. Yeah. So it's just absolutely stupid. This was this was the NCAA completely wasting its time to try and get out of trouble. Mm-hmm. This, but this is what I don't get. These colleges all fall under this umbrella of an association that's incompetent. Mm-hmm. It's office space. Yeah, I I would love to see them at some point. Just because it, it's so hard for them to police. Did someone get a free T-shirt when they weren't supposed to? Like, just forget about that. Just your your head's gonna explode. Just get rid of all that. <laughs> if if a player is able to make money off of his or her own likeness, whether it's through signing with an agent or doing an autograph signing of some kind, just let them do it. Let them do it. Now, they would come back and they would say, the NCAA would say, okay, well, how would we then prevent some agency or some, you know, let's say you go to an autograph signing and a booster for Ohio State is the one putting on the autograph signing and, hey, we would, uh, right, you know, we would love for you to... Or maybe it's even like another school. Maybe you play at Ohio State mm-hmm. and uh, Missouri or Florida State has mm-hmm. an autograph. Some booster for one of those schools has an autograph sign and says, hey, you know, we really, really love, you know, you got a lot of fans down here in South Florida. We're going to give you $500,000 to come sign for a few hours. Wait, what? Yeah, $500,000. If you also decide to maybe play for Florida State. So I get that there's things like that that could happen, but you can't police, like, that, if that's either happening, you can't police but it. They, but they've yeah. proven themselves incompetent. That That's the thing. The NCAA is basically the the parent who acts like he or she or both have control, right? Well, yeah. my kid never. And meanwhile, the kid's going and getting drunk and doing drugs every weekend, and the kid's a complete train wreck. And, but you're saying, well, but when I check my kid's bed, they're, they're in bed by curfew. The NCAA has proven it can't do its job. That's the thing is if they have if they had previously proven that they could actually execute 
in a in a meaningful manner the rules they passed, then I'd be like, okay, fine, yeah. I, I don't like them, but they are they are corrupt and incompetent. It's the worst combination of human behavior possible. Yeah. For, from a football standpoint, I really think we're heading closer and closer to just some, whether whether the NCAA is part of it or not, I would love to see the best 60 or 70 teams. So basically the Power 5 teams and then any other prominent non-Power 5 teams, like Notre Dame is a, or as Notre Dame, Notre Dame is independent, but they play an ACC schedule or something complicated like that. But take the best 60 or 70 teams. You guys play each other. It's a totally different Governing body. It's basically professional. These are, yeah, these are players that are more likely to go professional anyways. Right. And just like treat it treat it differently. Yes, it's professional. Yeah. And I and I would watch that more too. I would and I'd be much more interested in September college football if I knew that I instead of getting gophers in New Mexico, if yeah. I was getting power five versus power five on a weekly. Trying basis. to associate football as as a sport that's in the same world as let's say soccer is absolutely stupid. Kids should have an opportunity to play as many sports as possible. If they can, that's that's great. But then trying to say, but we have to treat football players the same as we treat soccer players and swimmers is absolutely asinine. Yeah, football players and, and these leagues are basically professional. Yeah, and they make millions of dollars, and they should be they should be basically put into a separate box of things and treated as such. A totally different note, but since we're talking about college sports, before we get to Chris Singleton, I'm excited to see how many stuck in the mud go for basketball fans are going to be mad about the court change. I like it. They brightened up the court. They changed yeah. some of the lettering on the court. What do yep. you think of it? I like it's still I love it. it's still raised, but I they just it. they changed it's fine. the It's fine. It it's great. And and Gopher fans, I I retweeted, I think the Pioneer Press or somebody tweeted about it a couple days ago and I I retweeted it cuz I like it and immediately got the response. This looks stupid. Are we Iowa State? It looks great. It looks fantastic. It's change and change is it's okay. It's the first change I think for that court. I think they. I think I found something, or I saw a retweet that it was also changed for the first time ever in like two thousand nine. So it's been changed twice in yeah. like fifty years. It's or something. fine to change things now. <laughs> now, if you change it to something really stupid and hideous, then yes, it might be a problem. But this looks good. Maybe the next step is to do. Remember the Charlotte Hornets had like no, a Hornet don't, yeah, don't web or something or whatever that was. Is it Oregon who's got the just yeah. atrocious? Court. The Gopher women played on that court in the NCAA tournament. It's unwatchable. It's ridiculous. Yeah, maybe don't go that far. It's the but... blue field of Boise State. Yeah. Uh, Chris Singleton, one of our favorite guests on this show. We'll talk some baseball with him when we come back. It's Mackie and Judd. Mackie and Judd are talking twins now. With former player turned ESPN baseball analyst Chris Singleton. Got him! Yes! Wow. Nice. Came back from 3 and 0 to strike out Bradley. I don't have any hair. I'm I don't have out. any fingernails. <laughs> We're going I'm going to miss Fernando Rodney tightrope walking in the ninth <laughs> inning in a Twins uniform, man. That was only six blown saves, which is not too bad when, when no. you consider how many interesting saves there were. It was it was fun to watch him operate. That game in Boston where he went bases loaded, 3-0 count, comes back with three <laughs> straight strikes to get Jackie Bradley Jr. Hey, Chris Singleton from ESPN Radio. We just got a tweet from a listener, Bill. He says, if you get time, ask Singy to recap the bench-clearing brawl he was a part of. He described it a week or two ago on uh, Sunday Night Baseball. What uh, What uh, brawl do you speak of? Oh, that was a bad one. I think that was 2000 uh, when I was with the White Sox and we were playing the Detroit Tigers at home. And, yeah, it was, uh, I mean, 
Dean Palmer, Doug Brokale, Jim Parquet. Like I was, it was, wow. it was a pretty, it was a pretty major. Like it was, it's got a rank over the last 20 years. It's got a rank, uh, you know, in the top five, I'd say of just mayhem. And it, there were probably two parts, two and a half parts to it, two different times over the game. Um, to the point that I, I, the biggest thing I remember was, okay, running like <laughs> there, there was like Keith Folk, like either chasing or kind of like chasing a player, being chased by like a coach. Like this is going in the right field. And Robert Fick was a part of it. I mean, it was just, you could probably go to YouTube and pull it up, but okay. it was, it's a classic one. Like it, it really is. And, uh, but my role, and well, the funny part about it was, you know, Boog asked me, he's like, okay, or I forgot who it was, but they asked me, yeah, you know, what were you doing? I was like, man, I'm too smart for that. I'm, uh, I found somebody who had kind of the same interests as I did, CJ Nikowski, and we pretty much prevented each other from getting into the mix of this. And ironic that both of us maybe were saving our faces and our voices for broadcasting later on. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Maybe, yeah. But, uh, but it's funny that, you know, that's kind of how maybe it was because we're both left-handed. I don't know. We're just like the only ones thinking in our right minds at that point saying, hey, this is really crazy. Yeah. Um, why are we even here and doing this? But whatever. So when, when bench is clear, how many guys do you think actually get on on the field and want to throw a punch? Is it like a couple guys? Because it can't be many in baseball, right? It's got to be the, the majority of guys got to try and find a partner and stay stay the, the heck away from the mayhem. It's like maybe one, really. Like in all reality, it's maybe one person that's really like at that point where they're ready to go. And it, and it typically takes a little bit longer, you know, for things to like fester, like in that whole sort of scrum, if you will. But, you know, when you look at it, I mean, <laughs> you know, the thing is, is you look at it and what do you see most times? It's the, the person who gets the most aggressive is the person who finally has someone holding them back. You know, it's uh, it's like, okay, get in front of me you know, kind of grab me, push me back, then I'm going to really get, like, angry, like I really want a piece of somebody because there's a buffer in between. But, you know, it basically I would say the large majority, and, and half the guys don't even know why they're out there. Um, it's the thing you have to do. You see the bullpens run in. I always thought, hey, you know what, if the bullpens are running in and they're kind of came in from, coming from the same spot, why don't they just handle it out there in left center field or right center field? Like, yes. why, why waste your energy? It's, yeah, here? it's, it's like, ridiculous. You, guys can, you can fight there, you know? So we got different, like, rings, if you will. I want to see it like like, like like where you have the elevated bullpen. Like, at, I think Citizens Bank Park has one where, where you have to climb up to the other team's bullpen and, and get up there and brawl with them. <laughs> WWE, yeah. right? Uh, <laughs> throwing chairs down and everything else, but yeah, it's uh, it's pretty much a joke. I'd say the one this year where okay, there was no doubt that the guy had conviction was Nolan Arenado, Rockies and Padres. I mean, Nolan, like he he went out there like there was he, he had business on his mind. Um, but for the most part, I think we see it's kind of – I mean, Joe Kelly, obviously, uh, Red Sox and Yankees, that one was pretty good. And Joe Kelly was definitely ready to go. Like, there was no in-between. Um, but I think it's it's more rare than, than normal that people actually really want to, like, take it to the max. Yeah. 
Uh, Chris Singleton is with us here. He's talking baseball, talking twins with us every Friday during the season. Hey, um, the, the story that came out here about Atlanta Braves broadcaster Joe Simpson, and I, this is something that's been all over like ESPN.com the last couple of days, essentially suggesting that Juan Soto might lie about his age. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, Joe, I've known Joe for a long time, and, you know, obviously he's a professional broadcaster and, you know, and everything else. But here's what, just generally speaking, across the board, um, and I worked for a team for two years. And, and what can happen when you're working for a team and you're grinding it out, the schedule, day-to-day, and everything else, it's like you can get removed from, like, the field and from the clubhouse and from sort of the reality and sort of consequences of dealing with people face-to-face because you're up on this perch and you're doing your thing and, you know, the game sort of gets easier uh, the further you, you way you get and the longer that you've been. And then all of a sudden you start to get a little too comfortable and you start saying things um, that you don't really need to say and that you should probably stay out of. You know, we have our opinions and everything else, but when those things – spill onto the air that's why i mean think about it over the years right the people that i mean and you could say like prominent figures that have had really great radio or tv gigs what happened they said the wrong thing one day and it was a wrap over you know shows done this that, and another but you know we all have to be be you know conscious to make sure that we don't get too comfortable you know when the on-air light is there and that we get too relaxed and all of a sudden, you know, you start speaking things and saying things that could get you in trouble. But as far as that statement, um, I can understand, hey, you know, from looking at a kid um, saying, man, this kid's strong at 19. He's pretty put together. He's pretty built. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. So was Mike Trout. You know, so was Bryce Harper. Um, but when you say it and it's a player from a Latin country, Dominican Republic, based on some of the things that have happened over the years, it's almost, it takes on sort of a different, um, you know, tenor and, and, and tone and the implication, you know, what you're implying um, can be taken, you know, a lot of things. I don't know exactly how, you know, people responded out there, but there are a lot of different things that they could, probably try to characterize you know joe in a way of making that type of statement right. um so yeah it's not it's never good and i think it's you get a little too relaxed or comfortable and sometimes you need a reality check to sort of you know smell the salt or the ammonia and snap back into okay hey i've got a great job great opportunity a lot of people are listening and i have a responsibility as well so i mean whether you talk about that whether you talk about the situation with michael k in new york and you know the players yeah, he's he's entitled to feel that way. There are probably other people that might feel that way, but as an announcer, you got to remember what the boundaries are and where you have to stay, particularly when you're on the air. In in the case of K too, to me, it's an interesting one because I believe he made the comments about the player on his daily show, and so that's mm. got to be an incredibly fine line, right? Because you you do a daily show, and in this day, day and age, it's it's probably a longer show in, in which you're expected to speak your mind, and then you go to the ballpark and broadcast that team's games. That's got to be a potentially really dicey job to have both of them. Yeah, I would say absolutely, and especially in a market like New York, when hey, if you're not bringing it with a strong right. opinion and yeah. criticisms and everything else, you're you're not cutting it, and. uh 
So, yeah, for Michael Kay, who does a ton of things, uh, we always joke with him around. We're like, man, when do you stop working? I mean, you get a radio show, you do games, you got, you know, sit down and yes, network things. And, uh, but yeah, I, it's one of those things where here we are, right? In August, I mean, dog days of summer for some people we're entering, maybe our broadcasters as well. It's like, hey, getting to a, a kind of a, a little bit of a, a weary point, if you will. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe you just kind of let things, you don't tighten things up as much, but, you know, I'm sure lesson learned and, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, they'll, they'll all be able to, to move forward because Yankees have a pretty, you know, tall order and trying to catch the Red Sox in that division. So I, I can't imagine it's a distraction at all in the clubhouse, especially sure. when it's two guys that aren't really around, but what it can do for the other players especially when you're talking about an injury because there's so many things that are unknown or undefined when a person has an injury or a concussion. Like you can't see their bleeding or their bruise or, you know, or their whatever, a cast or, a you know, whatever. But so what happens with other players is that, okay, now they kind of file that away and they are less trusting of that announcer or that media person. Hey, Chris, in your job, too, how, how do you or wh- where do you draw a, a line? Because, I mean, you you have to be candid, and if a guy screws up, you're, you're going to say that. But is there a line for, for you that's fairly clear-cut of, I'll go this far, but I won't cross it? Yeah, I try to stay, you know, conscious of that, the fact that oh, if the effort's not there, okay, then then you have to describe that or call that out. Um you, you report what's what's factual and what you can see. Um, things outside of that, hey, this clubhouse, you know, clubhouse is divided because this player is, you know, nerd. They don't think he's really injured. That's not your place, and you don't know that. And someone may have mentioned that to you, but you're not in uniform and you're not in that clubhouse. So those are things that aren't like factual. Um, those are very speculative and you get yourself into trouble when you veer off of the path that you're supposed to stay on. Now, you know, a player makes a mistake out there. I try, you know, if it's a player that, Hey, they, they play the game hard, they're focused and everything else. You know, when they make a mistake, instead of saying, Oh yeah, he should have had that ball. I try to explain why. And I try to say, well, you know what? Um, Javi Baez or Eddie Rosario will be the first person to tell you that they should have had that catch. That's a catch that they make you know, 99.9% of the time. So I, I also try to, when possible, you know, represent that player so that, you know, fans or people listening don't form an opinion of, oh, this guy's a bad outfielder or this guy's not an, a stand-up or accountable guy. All of us can identify with failure and making mistakes. And I think when I can subtly at times, and this was this came into play more so when I was with the team, because you have more of a relationship with uh, those players and you work for that team. But when you can sort of segue and represent them some, you know, I know that I would appreciate that if I was a player when you have, yeah, you make a mistake. You got to say you made a mistake, but when you can also represent that guy and say, Hey, he'll be the first person to tell you he should have had it. Yeah. Then that's kind of like, Oh wow. You just kind of did him a solid there. Yeah. Um, so that's how I try to look at it. Hey, Chris, we had a story come out a couple days ago. So just long story short, the Twins hired this offseason 
a guy named Josh Kalk, who behind the scenes was one of the Tampa Bay Rays' main analytical pitching gurus for like 10 years. He was their pitch FX. In fact, they hired him from a pitch FX blog that he ran like 10 or 12 years ago. The Twins hired him this offseason, and now they have started to tinker with the opener concept in their minor league organization too, and they might even let it spill over into the major league. So I'm guessing that Josh Kalk laid some groundwork for the Rays and their opener strategy, and now the Twins are just sort of taking what Josh did in Tampa and they might implement it themselves. How widespread do you think the opener will be in, let's say, three to five years? Or do you think it's just sort of a passing fad? What are your thoughts? No, I don't think it's a passing fad. And I think what's going to happen is it's really going to be more specific to the team as opposed to, let's say, with the shift, right? You had this move towards the shift. And then everyone realizes, yeah, you know what? You need to shift. Like it's, I I don't care if you've got, you know, Max Scherzer or Clayton Kershaw, like you still need to do some shifting. Let's just play the the percentages. And and when they're really um, favorable in one way or the other, we need to to play those. Um, So I think what will be different with the opener strategy is, you know, what's the roster and the personnel that we have? Because obviously, you know, with those same two guys mentioned, an opener doesn't work. It's not necessary for a Kershaw. It's not necessary for a Scherzer. It's not necessary for a Bumgarner type. And we could go on and on, you know, DeGroms, all those folks. So teams perhaps like the Minnesota Twins that, you know, it's been more of a struggle to establish, you know, really good consistent starters um, you know, with depth, hey, maybe that's an option. You're also looking at, hey, what's, you know, what's payroll, um, you know, budget constraints. So I think certain market teams it's going to play well for. Uh, and, and that doesn't just mean it would be restricted to them, but depending on the year, depending on the setup, depending on the injuries, where a team is at, I think it's definitely a, a, a viable option and should be a consideration. But yeah. when we talk about, you know, what are pitchers are – you know, average starters facing like 22, 23 batters. So you're getting pulled like right at the point of that coming around the third time on average. So you're running on fumes as a starter, and now i got to face Mike Trout, you know, or I've got to face, you know, the real heart of a lineup, J.D. Martinez and Mookie Betts and everything else, as opposed to, hey, we have an opener, he knocks out the first time through and whatever. I've got to face those guys twice. And if I've got to face somebody a third time, it's their seven, eight, nine hitters. Those are good odds. And I, and I from the numbers, as a player, I would have hated it. I would have hated it as a hitter because it's you're trying to game plan for a starter. You're trying to get comfortable. You know, hey, you see some pitches, then you get going. I wouldn't have liked it. But looking at it, you know, from a broadcaster's and an analyst view, analyst view, yeah, it's, it's very intriguing. Yeah. Uh, we love your analysis. We love these conversations. Singy, we'll catch up next week, man. See you, Chris. Okay, guys. Have a great week. All right, Chris Singleton from ESPN Radio. Yeah, that was – okay, his – let's come back and talk a little bit more about that, the being a broadcaster and delivering opinions, because I think we want opinions. I, I want more than just reading out of a media guide for my broadcaster, but I also don't want, like, reckless speculation about a guy's age. And, right. You know, I think Chris does a good job walking that line. Mackie and Judd till 1 o'clock. Also, Game Show Friday. Matthew Collar with a preview of tomorrow's preseason game for the Vikes coming up in about 12 minutes, too. Get your tickets right now to see Minnesota United taking on the Seattle Sounders. The game is tomorrow, the match. 
Tomorrow night, 7 o'clock, TCF Bank Stadium. You can head to MNUFC.com to purchase your tickets. Thank you, David. All right, so back to what Singy was talking about. I want my broadcasters to deliver opinions, to 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 analyze. Mm-hmm. Um you know some of the like the the stuff that came out here about Juan Soto's age. Okay, well, are you is that a are you breaking news, Joe Simpson? Well, or and keep are in you mind, speculating. Joe, Joe Simpson's the same guy who like three weeks before that uh, had the Braves broadcast show footage of the Dodgers taking BP yeah. because he was offended the Dodgers didn't come out in their full in their full regale yeah. with names on the back and that they took BP in shorts and like t-shirts. Which is such I mean, a get off my lawn ridiculous cares? thing to be mad about. Like who gives a damn? Yeah. Uh, from personal experience, I remember when I covered. It's a little bit different because it was, it wasn't a team employed thing like a broadcaster would be. But I covered the Twins beat for three or four years. My first three or four years at fifteen hundred ESPN, and so I'm in that clubhouse on a daily basis, trying to build relationships. But also, like you're holding people accountable and you're delivering, you're delivering uh, in some cases criticism in sure. written form, and then come on the radio for three hours a day with Roycey and. You're not going to just be wishy-washy. You're going to have an opinion on things. And it was really uncomfortable sometimes to walk in there and to to be loyal to fans and tell it like it is, but to also, after you've told it like it is, to have to go like go back in there. Yep. see somebody face-to-face. Yep. It can be whether you're a broadcaster or a beat writer in that case. And that's can, where be tough. Michael Kay has a difficult job because he's doing a daily radio show on the ESPN affiliate in New York, and then he's stepping into the Yes booth to do yeah. play-by-play, which means he's paid by the team as well. Yeah. At least in your case, it, it all came, your your uh, cash all came from the same spot, right. so you didn't feel like, oh my God, I, I made uh, Ryan Domit mad, and now yeah. it's going to be a problem. Yeah, uh, I think the two, guy, the two guys in town that I think do a really good job, and, and they're not homers, but they certainly are favorable to the home team while telling you stuff, Jim Peterson and Smalley. Yeah. Like, like you would never say, I, I would never say that those two hammer their teams, mm-hmm. but when I watch the games, they tell me enough that that I don't feel like I'm just being read basically either statistics from the media guide and or being being consistently given the hometown spin. Yep, I agree, and I love the fact that Doogie came on and reported this, that Scott Layden approached Jim Peterson one time about him being too critical of the team. It's like, mm-hmm. no, first of all, no, don't th- th- just if you think yeah. that, don't walk up to him and say it. Yes. But secondly, Jim Peterson does a great job. It, he's mostly positive. He's 75 to 80 percent positive, even though the team's been garbage for 15 years. But when he's able to go at somebody, it's very factual. It's almost from a place of fan frustration for him. You know, he'll. They'll kind of be exasperated with, you know, why would you take that shot in that situation? And it's warranted criticism, but it's from a, almost a fan's perspective. Mm-hmm. And I love that. You don't have to patronize your audience. You can be you can be honest, and you can tell it like it is. And um, and I think you're right, Roy Smalley. Roy Smalley does it more. It's more like it's not as much fan-driven for him, even though he is a fan of the Twins. It's almost this analytical, yeah. uh, mechanical approach, right? Where, oh, I don't know if, if you're going to be able to catch up to that pitch with that swing or these mechanics yeah. or et cetera. And, and what Chris said is is the best way, which is which is a guy screwed up, and I, I know if he could go back and do it again, he would do it differently. Mm-hmm. Jim Pete does that consistently. Like, Jim Pete breaks down Cat's game really well in both ways. When Cat's fantastic or, or when Cat does something wrong, Jim Pete will say, if, if he could go back and change this. So it's not this, oh, my God, I can't believe he, he made this terrible play. It's like, okay, this play wasn't good. Here's why. And here's and here's what he could do to adapt and change yeah. and become 
more successful. Yeah. How about Cat still having not, just like Wiggins last this summer, is, and having not signed the five-year extension? I'm telling you, the dysfunction at Target Center is disturbing. If they and haven't had that, if they haven't had some sort of a come to Jesus face to face meeting yet, if there's still turmoil that's been lingering all summer, that bothers me. And we don't know. Maybe they've had a conversation, but it I, would really bother me if they haven't. I'm just if if he's not signing to sort of punish the wolves, it's it's just it's the whole thing is stupid. Not just him. The yeah. whole thing is stupid. How can you not sit down with Carl Anthony Towns if you're the wolves in in May and say before you go on vacation? Let's all sit down and talk about this because mm-hmm. you are an incredibly important part of our team for a long time yep. to come. I think you lead with that, right? You you are incredibly important. Yeah, we value you. We, we want you positive. to be for 10 years. Here's two or three things for you to get to that next level that you should work on this summer, whether it it's attitude or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. And you get you get Tibbs in that room. You get Cat in that room. And at the very least, Jimmy Butler. Yeah. And say, what do we need so that we all can get along and be on the same page. Yep. All right, tomorrow, Vikings against Case Keenum's Denver Broncos in the first preseason game. Let's discuss it with Matthew Collar. He, uh, you can find him all over, 1590ESPN.com and the Purple Podcast. Mackie and Judd. Sit tight. The Mackie and Judd show will continue in a moment. Do I have your word on that, sir? Mackie and Judd. Absolutely. On 1500 ESPN.